Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira, and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going uh, since we last talked? Going pretty well. Uh, a lot of things happening. Um, you know, we're starting to get into our winter sports. We have basketball uh, coming up for FAU, so that's always exciting. And unfortunately, um, the end of some of our other sports. But, you know, all together, looking forward to talking about them. Um, there's a lot of good to talk about and a lot of things that we can build on heading into next year. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, got the Shula Bowl to talk about this week. Um, yep. Start of FAU basketball. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to start off with FEU football. Uh, this Saturday on November 12th at 7 p.m., they'll be heading down to Miami to take on their in-state rivals, Florida International University, also known as FIU, for their annual Shula Bowl. Last year, FAU took the Shula Bowl at home in very convincing fashion, scoring over 50 points in what was a, basically a blowout. Um but this time, FIU has made things very interesting. They have a four and five record, which is the same record as FAU's. Uh, while they do have a two and three record in conference play, they have shown that they have made a lot of improvements from last year and might make this game a lot more interesting than we might expect. So what are your guys' uh, expectations heading into this matchup? Well, I'd say FIU um, didn't get off to one of the best start this seasons. Um, you know, they had a struggle against, I believe, Bryant, an FCS opponent. They had struggled against some um, opponents that I would have considered below them heading into the season. But obviously, as the season goes on, you tend to find your identity. You improve um, in a lot of facets of the game. So they've definitely made their improvements. Um, and it's definitely not an opponent you should overlook, um, especially a rivalry opponent. In any rivalry game, you never know what could happen. It's obviously the last game of the year. So you tend to look at it, um, you mark it off on your calendar, you think about it for a very long time. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of emotion and energy that go into that game. Um, so we could definitely be seeing their best football, but on our side of things, you know, we want to see our best football. You know, I feel like we really kind of hit, hit our stride with a lot of things, you know, with this bye week, we really had time to rest, prepare accordingly. Um, you know, Perry's done extremely well as of late. Uh, with handling the football, you know, our running game has done exceptionally well. Being back to before the bye week, how well we ran the ball there. We're limiting the penalties. Um, you know, we're sharing the ball adequately. I just think everything's kind of hitting on all cylinders at the perfect time. Obviously, you know, you just have to show some consistency. That's all we really want to see out of the Shula Bowl. I definitely think we should win. Um, but like I said, you know, thinking you can and executing is completely different. So, Want to see how we perform. Yeah, um, FAU seemed to, like you said, starting to put it all together a little bit more. Perry's playing um, well, a little more mistake-free. The, all the running backs seem to be um, being able to do their own thing whenever they get the ball. Defense isn't playing. Actually, they're playing well, actually. They've been able to hold um, opponents slow scoring games as of recently. But I think you're exactly right that this is should be one of the more interesting um Shula Bowls in recent memory. They do look really improved. Um their defense uh isn't isn't terrible. Coach Deerman talked about it at practice today. They like to 
show like a lot of different fronts and like move around before the snap. Um, so yeah, they should, they definitely shouldn't be overlooked. Um, I think it, it will be interesting, but if they can kind of continue in what they've been doing in weeks prior and build off this kind of uh, extra bye week they have, um, they should be able to get it done, but it should be interesting. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. When you look at FIU last year, where they finished 1-11, and at this point in the season, they were 1-8. and So the fact that they were able to improve their record to 4-5 and within the span of a year, it's impressive, and it's definitely a good step forward for, for their football program. For FAU, though, um, I see this as their best chance to finally get a, road, get a win on the road. And it's not like they can't do it. It's They have done before especially with their first road win under Willie Taggart coming against FIU back in the shortened 2020 season. So as long as FIU makes the right plays and executes uh, the plays that they need to get their touchdowns and get their best plays on, they should be able to win another Shula Bowl into the, for the program to continue their bragging rights over FIU. But as but yeah, when it comes to the road record for FEU 0-4, this is their best chance to finally get a road win. Moving on from FEU football, we head on to FEU soccer. Um, both men's and women's concluded their seasons last week. We'll start off with the men's. Uh, despite a hard-fought effort for the entire game, especially on the defensive end on the pitch, uh, they were out. Uh, a goal in the final minutes of the game ended FAU season as they lost 1-0 to also FIU, who were ranked number 22nd in the country, ranked 22nd in the country at the time. Uh, with this loss, they finished their season with a record of four wins, nine losses, and three draws, albeit with a respectable conference record, three wins, four losses, and two draws. So how are you guys reflecting on how men's soccer performed this season? Well, with our first season in the American Athletic Conference, um, you know, you tend to not put too much expectations on yourself. Um, obviously, you have your goals, um, some milestones that you want to hit. But for our first season overall, you know, I think we were able to identify um, our weaknesses as well as some of our strengths. You know, we played a lot of games close this year. Um, some of the issues just we ended up dropping a lot of games uh, late in matches, um, just kind of mental errors, small things like that. What I was kind of upset with just in our last game is we kind of played a little too defensively. You know, I you tend to hear this saying, like, when you're not playing to win, you're trying not to lose. Um, but the problem with that is, is I feel like you're not giving yourself a chance to win. You know, we outshot um, – who was yeah, we outshot FIU in the first half, three shots to two, and then in the second half we just played defense, which I understand um, just from – a qualifying perspective like you only need to get one point out of the matchup a draw gets you into the tournament and then you can move on from there but um you know i thought we could have easily just as easily have won the game if we would have been the aggressors um obviously didn't go our way um and it's it's easier said than done especially in hindsight you know looking back on the game you want to make improvements but i don't think that's anything to hang your head on you know your first year in the program um or in the american athletic conference excuse me but you know we played a ton of quality opponents we played ranked opponents included pulled some wins out there draws especially um and you know just didn't go our way this season but i feel like it sets us up even better for next year you know i'm not 
I'm not too well renowned with the seniors that are graduating or the players that are returning or even the ones that we have signed, but um, I'm confident in what we've done in the past that we can continue to build, especially for the future. Yeah, um, it's you can't be uh, really satisfied with with the record, but like you said, it's first year in the American Conference, and there are plenty of things uh, to build off going into next season. Um, so you you don't really kind of like hang your hat on the kind of like the disappointing aspects, and you know, like it's never great to like end your season um, the loss to your rival, but you don't you don't harp on those you build off um kind of the positives of the season and you move forward so and there are there's plenty of there's plenty of that um to be you know confident about so just we just move on um it's a building block and like you said let's look on the next season yeah and i would agree with you guys um for the most part but there were opportunities for FU to have gotten a few games that should have went their way. Like, for example, their losses against uh, North Florida and especially against Temple, who were like, did not have very good records at the time, especially being at the bottom at, the, at that moment when we played them. So there were definitely a few missed opportunities for FU to get like more points than they actually got. And even in this game against FIU, they really had still had a chance to qualify for the postseason. All they needed was really a draw. So uh, to what you said, Zach, that you weren't right. They weren't really playing to win. They were just trying not to lose. They were looking for that draw. And they were very close to doing it, too, before mm-hmm. FIU scored that goal in the final minutes to ultimately win another conference. Uh, they become, because of that goal, they won and became regular season champions. So credit to FIU on actually pulling out against a respectable defensive performance from FIU. But at the end of the day, this this is their first season in the American, and we know and it's pretty we know that we'll, they will make adjustments heading into next season. They will have more players coming into the program. At the end, at the end of the day, this is a first step, and we'll see what happens with their next step next year. Moving on from men's soccer, we head on to women's soccer. And they had a great, for the most part, they had a great tournament. They took down Louisiana Tech 4-1 in the quarterfinals, uh, beat the hosts Charlotte 2-1, and were very close to qualifying for the NCAA tournament before suffering a heartbreaking defeat uh, in double overtime 3-2 to UTSA. So it's definitely a hard pill to swallow for, for, the, for the Lady Owls. They were just minutes away from qualifying for the NCAA tournament and clinching the Conference USA tournament before they head to the American next year. Uh, what do you guys have to say on how the women's played for this season? Well, to open up the tournament, you know, to get that uh, revenge game against Louisiana Tech, I thought that was huge. You know, we dropped out one, two to one, turn around, end up beating them 4-1, which is a very impressive win in its own regard. And then, you know, you're playing at Charlotte, end up pulling that one out 2-1. to one. You had beaten them earlier in the year as well, but just, you know, maintaining, knowing that you can beat them and then beating them again, that's just as impressive. And then against UTSA, you know, it is it is a hard pill to swallow, especially considering, like, how it went down. You know, we had that one shot by Bree um, Austin, I believe, that ended up hitting the goalposts. 
um, mm-hmm. yep. really late into the game that, you know, if it's a little more this way, a little more that way, like you end up tying it up um, or even taking the lead in that regard, um, you know, just doesn't roll your way sometimes. Um, but there's so much to be proud about for the season. I mean, our women's team played exceptionally well. I think we had three players named to the all-tournament team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yep. We even – we were leading in shots as well as corners. You know, we definitely, in my in my eyes, we were outplaying them for the most part. Just it's kind of how soccer works. Like, just not everything goes your way. kind of hurts. Um, I think we had two players close out their five-year careers. So, um, shout out to those girls um, for their long, illustrious careers. And then we also broke a record. Broke a record. Uh, Landris finishes the all-time leader in minutes played with 7,415 minutes tallied on the pitch. That is more than impressive. Um, Riasson finished her final season leading FAU in goals with nine and points 25. Um, so just a lot of players with great careers um, that unfortunately had to come to an end. But like I said, I've repeated, you know, nothing to hang your head on. So much to be proud of. And, you know, we just look forward to better results next year. So you can really do Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it it was a heartbreaking way to finish the season, you know, to be minutes away from the tournament, like Richard said. And like, I I do think I do agree that we kind of outplayed UTSA a little bit, uh, seven more shots, two more shots on goal. But there's I have nothing but great things to say about this season, you know, from like you said that comeback revenge or not comeback revenge win against Louisiana Tech in the first round, um, making it all the way to the championship and, you know, having finishing 11-8-3, that's in five and four and one in the conference. That's a really great record and a way to, great way to, you know, finish their time in the CUSA. So nothing but great things. Like you said, shout out to all those girls that made the all-conference team. That's three on the team. That's amazing. So nothing but great things to say about really something to build off moving forward next year yeah exactly and it uh, at the end of, at the end of the day this was a great season for them they finished with it an overall record of 11 wins eight losses and three draws with a conference record of five wins four losses and a draw but yeah it's it's going it's still going to hurt that they couldn't get to the ncaa tournament especially with the mistakes that happened to them in that match against UTSA. the first goal being a goalkeeping error the second being a goal on the transition, and the, the last goal being from a set piece, from a corner kick. It pretty much shows you the importance of never letting your guard down against your opponents, and this game pretty much showed that. Despite the Owls' efforts to come back down 2-0 to tie it up at 2-2 to force overtime, but yeah, it was just not a FU's, FU's day. And but, at the, but again, credit to them, uh, especially the players who made the, the all-tournament team. And all the players who played their hearts out, especially Bri Austin, G. Christic, and uh, Haley Landrews, and all all the others who played great for the team, just um, just keep building on what you got from this season and carry it over to next year, especially as you play your first season in the American. And moving on from FU soccer, we finally have FU basketball to talk about, and we'll talk about the men's first. They began their se- they began their season last night against Lynn University uh, Monday night and blew them out the gates eighty one to forty six and they did it without their star player Michael Forrest. Um, 
Uh, Cameron, I know you were at the game. I'm pretty sure you enjoyed FU being the lights out of Lynn. Uh, what are your thoughts on how they played? Um, yeah, a very lopsided final score, but uh, they played a little bit sloppy in the first half. Um, which you know, like they a bunch of them said post game, it's just you know first game jitters. Um, not having Mike for reasons they refused to disclose was big. Um, you know, he's one of he's easily the best shooter on the team, and you know, veteran presence uh like that is big on opening night. But um that improved as the game went on. They started to shoot the ball better. Um having uh having Isaiah Gaines uh transfer forward is huge. Um another big body in addition to Vlad and John Carlo is huge because the backcourt is already deep. So Having like a second or third uh, big body on the team, sometimes having two on the floor is gonna be it's gonna be huge. Um, nothing but uh, excitement about the entire season. Um, Elijah Mitchell, he was kind of quiet last night, only had nine points, but he's like coach said after the game is kind of adjusting to a new role. Whenever teams are preparing, watching tape of FAU, getting getting ready to play them, he's gonna be the first name mentioned every time. So he's going to be drawing a lot more attention from defenders and a lot of double teams. So it's going to take, I think, a couple of games for him to get accustomed to that role. Um, but there's so much experience between like him, Mike, Vlad, a bunch of other guys. There's nothing but stuff to be excited about with defense. Yeah, like Cameron said, um, having big bodies always helps. And I think that's kind of the identity that FAU has built up over the years, especially under head coach. Um, May. I mean, last year, yeah, Dusty May. Last year, we were able to clinch our fourth consecutive winning season. So right now we're trying to make that five, which is the first time in program history. Um, but yeah, I mean, point of emphasis is really just making our name known on the glass, you know, continuing to win the rebound battle. And I think that's a huge proponent of why we win so many games. Um, obviously, you know, we had a lot of players return this season, which is great for us. You know, you're able to continue to build with the guys you already have. Um, I mean, just going through the roster before the Lynn game, I was kind of looking at some of the additions as well. You brought up Vlad, who's a massive body in the paint, who's able to consistently put up um, not only good shots, but just makeable shots. I think that's huge for him to adjust in this lineup. Um, you know, Elijah Martin, Michael Forrester, um, and even Giancarlo Rosado off the bench. Like, these are all guys that are going to be huge for us this season um, if we want to make a deep run. Because um, I I feel like we're starting to trend towards, you know, we've consistently been able to win and put up winning seasons, but now it's start, we have to start to set the expectation of making deeper tournament runs. You know, we have to kind of put ourselves in positions to, you know, consistently um, win against higher quality opponents. I think last year we had eight wins over a 20 point margin. You know, now it's time to make those wins count against teams um, that like were better than us in years past, if that makes sense. But um you know, starting off against Lynn, did exactly what we needed to do. Um, nothing too crazy or out of the ordinary. It's kind of just one of those where you already marked it off on your calendar just as like a win, just because you know how good we are. And, you know, it when you're able to do that, you get very comfortable and that it's a very good sign. But, you know, we're never going to overlook anyone um, moving forward. And we weren't overlooking Lynn. But um, like I said, some high expectations heading into the season. Yeah, and my expectation for them heading into the season, well, is to 
get wins against big teams or at least at the very least one of them. And we will have that after this, after this win against Lynn, as we will head out on a two-game road trip. First, heading out to Ole Miss in Oxford, Mississippi on Friday, November 11 at 7 p.m. It will be broadcast on either SEC Network or ESPN Plus. So if you have that subscription, definitely watch, check it out. And after that, they head out to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. So yeah, two big road matchups for these Owls, and we'll wish them the best of luck with those two te- with those two big names. And moving on from FVU, from men's basketball, we have women's basketball. Um, they they haven't started their season yet. That will be on November 10 on a Thursday against Bethune Cookman. It will be broadcast on YouTube. And they will look to improve from what was a very bad season for them. They finished with a record of five and twenty-five. They they suffered a first round exit to FIU in the Conference USA tournament. They had a like a, re- a conference record of one in seventeen, including losing streak of twelve straight games. It's definitely gonna be a season that they're gonna have to redeem themselves from what happened last year. So what are you guys' expectations for the for the Lady Owls heading into the season? Well, I mean, despite not having a game counter on record, I believe we did have that little exhibition against St. Thomas, which I thought was um, extremely helpful for us, not only um, just to see where we are coming into the season, but really to just get everyone a chance on the floor and play together and kind of see how things look when things are actually in motion against a real opponent. Um, you know, at no point throughout the game do we shoot less than 40% from the field, whether that be the three-point line or free throws in any quarter, which is huge, shows that you're consistently hitting shots. Um, points off of turnovers, I think it's a huge emphasis, um, especially uh, in women's basketball. You know, not a lot of times you're going to be able to put together um, consistent possessions, especially after um, how we were last year. You know, it's building on the small things. And if we're able to get points off turnovers that and win the turnover margin, um, that's always huge. That tends to set you in a good position to win games. Um, and I think we had 10 owls see playing time in that in that exhibition. So, you know, um, to kind of build trust with not only your starters, but your bench players as well, as well. Um, work in your rotations, try to get um, everyone on the court at some point, see who meshes well together. I think that's um, really the importance of that. You know, Bethune-Cookman will be a good matchup to open up uh, the year. Um, they're a quality opponent, um, and it'll be interesting to see what they have for us. But, you know, you know, when you think about last year uh, and how that ended, you you can only look to build from there. Um, you know, like they say, if you're at the bottom, the only way is to the top. So we, we've got to start somewhere. And, you know, I'm not too upset with that. Um, it's never a bad thing. I never want to have a negative outlook for any of our sports teams and especially not for our women's basketball team. Um, it's always going to be fun to check them out as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the, the only way is up uh, for the women's basketball team. Uh, last year was tough, you know, going five and 25, but I think, I think last year was kind of tough with them off the court. You know, they kind of had to deal with the departure of multiple players in the middle of the season. They also had um, Amber Gaston, one of the better players on the team, deal with um, a head injury. So there was just kind of a lot going on for them. But I I think they have just room to improve. And I think we kind of – 
I think we kind of saw that in the exhibition match. You know, they shot the ball well, um, 54.5 from the field, um, 47.6 from three-point. That's um, it's not bad. You know, it, it is an exhibition ex- exhibition match, um, and it is against, like, a smaller opponent like that. But um, these are uh, signs of life and the improvements that, like, you kind of want to see. So, um, like you said, Bethune-Cookman's kind of a good uh, – opponent start the season off so I think once we finally see them in action I think we'll have like a better um gauge but they definitely did in the exhibition match show the kind of improvements that you want to see so excited to watch them play this week yeah definitely and once again they will start the season at Daytona Beach against Bethune Cookman on Thursday November 10th at 11 a.m and the broadcast will be on YouTube so best of luck to the Lady Owls and hopes for a much better season than last year. And that will conclude our section with FU Sports. Now we head on to national sports and we start off with the NFL. It's definitely been an entertaining week, uh, week nine for the NFL. Uh, Philadelphia still remains undefeated in the league after beating Houston on Thursday, last Thursday against Houston. Uh, the Dolphins survived a shootout, uh, survived against Chicago, 35-32. Uh, Sorry, Cameron. Uh, I know Justin Fields definitely made an effort to test Miami's defense. and The Bears got hosed. That was the worst no-call I have ever seen in my life. He got mauled. He got mauled <laughs> by both of them. And the dude it right in front of the referee, and he did nothing. That guy does not deserve to be an NFL referee. And that's the only thing I'm going to say about that game, other than Justin Fields is him. That'll save it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start off with that game. Um, you know, Justin Fields running all over the place. We're kind of seeing the takeover with mobile QBs nowadays. Um, and, you know, I feel like this was the first week where I felt my childhood ending. You know, Matt Ryan is pretty much done. Stafford <laughs> just has no signs of life. I mean, Aaron Rodgers throwing three interceptions against the Lions. Like, what? what is happening? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> It, it feels like football isn't football anymore. Um, I got to admit, but you know, the future holds some exciting things. You know, we have young talent like Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, um, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of great things. Um, another game I kind of wanted to bring up is the Jets upset over the Bills. Yeah. You know, that, Josh- uh, that was very interesting. Um, yeah. They made um, them struggle, it seems. A hundred percent. And then another thing I thought was important to note is, they're saying Josh Allen has some UCL injuries. And for those that don't know what a UCL injury is, uh, it's primarily a baseball injury um, in your elbow. Um, but what it ends up doing is, is you pretty much can't throw like at all. And it's a very lingering and painful injury. And for a big arm quarterback like Josh Allen to be going through that, you know, he's going to be going for him. It's going to be a hard adjustment. Cause like at one point you're able to throw like eight, 80 yard bombs through the air. And now like, it's going to hurt throwing like five yard checkdowns. Like, he may need some time off depending on how bad the strain actually is. Obviously, they're doing MRIs. We're going to wish him the best. You know, I think the league is at its best when all of our best players are on the field. But, I mean, yeah, just really weird year of NFL. Um, a lot of the teams that were playoff contenders last year under 500, you know, you don't really know what the playoff picture is going to suit up to be. There's a lot of moving parts, but who knows? We're, in, we're entering a weird time, but it's exciting nonetheless. Yeah, it definitely is kind of odd to see, like, the old guard of the NFL 
see like kind of be on their way out. But it it is kind of nice to see that the Packers kind of dominant reign over the NFC North um, may be coming to an end too because it's like I've seen like the Bears beat the Packers like twice in like my lifetime. It feels like, but um, I it, that game was kind of interesting to me. But I I I wanted to kind of talk about the Frank Reich on kind of being on the way out, being fired in Indy. I I he got I, I, I don't, by England. I'm happy with that. Twenty six to three win, and we ended his coaching career. <laughs> It's, it's I I don't I don't know how much I agree with that though because like I feel like he might be scapegoated a little bit like by the ownership they they set him up with two well not even two he's dealt with three very mid to low tier quarterbacks in the past few seasons like a very washed Philip Rivers and then Carson Wentz and now Matt Ryan who seems maybe washed. It's kind of hard, a hard like deal of quarterbacks to be successful with, but you know it it is the NFL, and if you're not winning, you you're gonna be on your way out pretty soon. I I, I just I don't know I don't, I don't know if I agree with that that much, but it's interesting to see uh, Jeff Saturday, a former NFL center who doesn't really have much coaching experience at all, kind of be at the helm in Indianapolis. So that will be interesting to see play out. Yeah. Um... Just a quick comment on Jeff Saturday. You know, I, I what in their minds? Like, I get it. Indy legend played there his whole career. Good locker room guy. But I mean, I'm pretty sure he coached a Pee Wee football team to eight and eight. And you want him to run? You want to run an NFL team? Now, I completely understand if it's from the standpoint of you are entering tank bowl. But let's be honest. Um, this isn't the NBA. There isn't someone that's gonna you're going to draft and immediately fix your team. Like there's a lot of moving parts that aren't going right there. Um, you know, last year we thought Carson Wentz was the issue. So you brought in Matt Ryan. Suddenly that didn't work, falls apart. Um, I just I'm kind of with Cameron, I really don't understand the move here. Um, at least let him finish the year out and then kind of rebuild from there. But I mean, you're kind of just throwing Jeff Saturday to the fire. And I feel like you're not giving him a lot of room to succeed here. And I, I don't know. You know, I guess this is why I'm not a GM. You know, Ursi for the Colts. I don't think fans are really happy with him. Um, you know, I don't I don't really see him being there too much longer. Um, you know, maybe they need to take the commander out of thing. Just get Dan Snyder just to sell the team at that point. Pray. Um, my biggest fear, though, is that Elon Musk is going to end up buying a team and we're going to have to watch it. Please Washington don't. Teslas. Yeah, Please that'll don't. be. Yeah, that'll be terrifying to watch, but you know, we're staying optimistic over here, but who knows at this point. And at the moment, it's looking like a dumpster fire in Indianapolis, and I'm glad that the Patriots started it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for our final topic of the day, we'll talk about the NBA. Um, the Cavs, they are for real. Donovan uh, mm-hmm. Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen uh, as, their, as their main trio. It's definitely been very interesting to see Mitchell be dropping 30 points a night relentlessly. Like he's not, I don't see any end to him, uh, to, I don't see any end to him not scoring 30 a night, uh, as well as Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum, who also had a great performance against Memphis last night. Um, it's definitely been a very interesting week of NBA basketball. So, 
what do you guys have what have you guys seen from the past week that made you that caught your eye yeah you know it's really it's still early in the season so it's hard to say but i mean if donovan mitchell gets the Cavs into like a top four seed in the east like i don't see how you don't put him up there for an mvp candidate i'm just throwing out throwing that out there early obviously i'm still on the jason tatum mvp campaign i will never waver from that um so my bias will be as clear as day. So let's get that out of the way. Um, there's some other teams in the East, though, that are not to be messed with. You know, um, surprisingly, the Hawks, I did not think that DeJounte Murray, um, Trey Young kind of guard duo would work out as well as well as, as well as it is. But, you know, that seems to be working really well. The Bucks, oh, I mean, obviously are playing unbelievably. Giannis is still one of, if not the best player in the league consistently. Um, and then, obviously, you know, you don't know what's going on with the Nets. Um, so that's a big yikes. I don't really want to talk about them. Hey, they, got back, they got back-to-back wins. Uh, before they lost to Dallas, of course, last night, they did have back-to-back wins with Kyrie being suspended, including a great crossover by Kevin Durant. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. He ended up dropping someone. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, you know, as for the Western Conference side of things, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything about the team that shall not be named. Um, we've said enough on their part. I think we all know who we're talking about. Um, Trailblazers still playing extremely well. Steph Curry dropped 47. On Sacramento. He's still doing it. Sad. Yeah, still, Sad. yeah, still doing his thing. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the consistent things about the NBA is, is it's a, players are very seasonal. You know, like the first three months of the season, you'll see some guys come out of nowhere and be like TJ Warren bubble mode. And then you'll see some guys that just fall off towards the end of the year. Some guys that only come alive when it's playoff time. Like it's a very weird sport, um, but I think that's why we enjoy watching it so much. And there's still a lot of things that have yet to be figured out. Um, you know, Cavs can start hot, end up falling off. You never know. Um, we'll just have to see. I'm excited though. Um, yeah, I could. I completely am also surprised by. The Hawks. I, whenever they made the move for Murray, I was kind of was a head scratcher for me because I didn't know how well he'd blend with uh, Trey Young and like that kind of consistently always having the ball in your hands, like like Young does. But they're um they're doing well, and um I think I'm not surprised by the Cavs. I think they're legit. I think they will continue to be legit just because of like. Their core is so young, and then on top of that, you added Murray in the offseason. So I, I think they'll be good now and in years coming. So I they're they're legit for sure. I kept saying last week that I figured the Heat would just kind of figure it out, but I'm not sure what's going on there. I Maybe maybe they will, but I, I don't know. And in the Western Conference, like you said, the Blazers are playing well, Damian Lillard's um great since he's been back the lakers i say they just tank for what i'm gonna be honest tank <laughs> mode. that's they what they do they can't. and then they tank next year for for Bronny. that's if i'm gm that's the plan two uh-huh. years of tanking and then uh a chip with women lebron and Bronny. that's the plan unfortunately for the lakers they don't have their pick this year the pelicans do so oh never mind then excuse me <laughs> excuse me Unless you want they're, to- they're done then Unless New Orleans decides to be nice to the Lakers, they're not getting women, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. 
I spoke. It's okay. Lakers are cooked. <laughs> Lakers are cooked. And uh, one last quick question. Do we think the Utah Jazz can keep up their momentum? They have a 9-3 record, and they're number one in the Western Conference. Uh, do we think we, they can keep it up? You know, I feel like the obvious answer is yes, but – or no, the obvious answer would be no, but my thing is, is I think Danny Ainge is just destined to always build greatness out of nothing. I just think, like, it's impossible for him to put together a bad roster. Because, like, there's a difference between putting together, like, a bad roster and then just, like, putting together a team that you don't think will work. And because Ainge can't, like, he, like, in his mind, he doesn't even acknowledge that bad players exist. Like, he can only see your value. So he just constantly brings values on the roster that he don't think will complement one another. And they end up working out better than anyone ever could. And he's just, like, in disbelief, like, he wanted to tank. I think he wanted to tank going into this year. It was very obvious with getting um, Mitchell Gobert out of there. And suddenly they're just one of the most dominant teams in the West. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, you know, maybe he has his league settings on rookie mode. I don't know uh, what he's got going on up there in Utah, but he's got something cooking and it, it's surely working. I definitely uh, don't think they'll finish you know, first in the West, but the West is just not, it's so wonky right now. Like, it's hard to, for me to see, like, a world where they, like, end up missing the play-in or, you know, ending up at, like, the complete bottom. Like you said, they have, like, a knack for just building good rosters and being, like, being able to just put a good product on the floor. So I think even if they don't keep up like how well they're playing now, they're easily a playing team. I don't have any doubt about that at all right now. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting start to the Utah Jazz, Utah Jazz especially being top of the West. So well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they keep going, keep this up for throughout the season. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.